You're listening to Raw with Marty Gallagher, J.P. Bryce, and Jim Steele, brought to you by ironcompany.com. If you enjoy the podcast, please give us a review on your favorite podcast player. We'd appreciate it. Today's discussion was inspired by one of our very own Jimmy Steele's latest articles. If you were limited to just one lift for the rest of your life, what would that be? For me, it would have to be something that would allow me to strengthen and muscle up the entire body, would help reduce injury, and would ensure maximum mobility and functionality retention as you get older. The single exercise that I would pick would be the deadlift. So Jim, in your latest article, Deadlifts for Life, you give some very important coaching tips, but you, you also ask the question, what exercise most closely mimics what was essential to our survival thousands of years ago? What do you mean by that? Well, I got that from, uh, I interviewed a, a primary care doctor who bases his practice on what we are meant to do or what we have done evolutionarily, you know, for hundreds of thousands of years, what, what have we done to make us a species? So for instance, a, a successful species. So for instance, when somebody has an allergy, the first thing he says, ask them is, do you guys have a cat? because we haven't been around cats as long as we have been around dogs. So we haven't adjusted to not get those allergies where most people aren't allergic to dogs, that kind of stuff. And then I asked him, you know, what, what uh, exercises that we perform today were essential to life back then. And he said, well, I would say two: the press and the deadlift. He doesn't know. Putting stuff. Well, I know it's conjecture. I know he doesn't know, but anyway, so putting stuff up to hide it from, I started picturing, you know, you're on a tree and you're hiding stuff up high to get it, get a, get it out of the way of the cheetahs or leopards or whatever. And then picking stuff up off the ground, which is, you know, man, you got to do it. It's it, the squat is you're squatting down to pick stuff up, but really the deadlift is mimics, mimics it a little closer. Um, you know, with the, with your hands and, and keep your yeah. back flat and all that stuff. So anyway, well, imagine yeah. picking heavy stuff off the ground and putting stuff overhead. Well, imagine back in those days, we'd have to pick up all these big stones and boulders and drag yeah. stuff, you know, drag the the deer or whatever, whatever we were hunting that day and yeah. pick that up and all kinds of crazy stuff. And, and what was interesting, and I, I want to get Marty's take on this, was I didn't start deadlifting until after college because everything was bench and squat, bench and squat, which was great, you know, the squat and the bench and all that. But, you know, we didn't even do overhead presses. We just did curls, bench, squat, curls. And then I once, once I started deadlift, I didn't have anybody teach me. So I did it wrong um, and ended up getting hurt and all, doing all that stuff. But what it did, it forced me to really become an expert at how to do the deadlift correctly to stay safe. Um, and then it became my favorite lift after that. But, what, you know, Marty, when you did you start deadlifting when you were doing Olympic lifts or was it the pulls mm-hmm. from the floor right away? Yeah. Well, I don't think I think I did. Yeah, I think it was part of our repertoire. Okay, because I know that when I watch the Bulgarians and stuff, they're doing some deadlifts, but it's not not a lot. But maybe they already have that foundation. No, they don't. They don't do all they do is squat overhead. You know, they only do the two lifts and squat. That's it. Yeah. And the variate the front squat and stuff like that. Yeah. but anyway, that's sort of my idea. And then I fell in love with the deadlift. I first started off as sumo. Um, and that's what I lifted the most poundage with. But I like conventional also. And everybody I coach deadlifts, no matter what. 
you know. So, sure. uh, so you were you life. were how old when you started deadlifting? Shit, man, I was 21, 20, yeah. 21? Yeah, something like that. Martin, I mean, I, like... I had never done it. I'd done stiff legs where I blew my back out, but I'd never done <laughs> never done a regular deadlift. Nobody did. It was funny, man. You know, it was just, uh, what do you bench? What do you bench? And then when Platts and all those guys started squatting and making it popular, that's when it became popular with us. But your own, your own football coach didn't even teach you guys how to deadlift. Man, he was sitting on his ass reading the paper. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's just disgraceful. But hey, that he probably was probably didn't know how, right? That was yeah, he didn't know anything except to sit there and look fat and irritate me. But that's unacceptable. Um, yeah. So anyway, love the deadlift. Love talking about it. Uh, Want to get y'all's takes on, you know, programming it and all that stuff. Also, fascinated by the whole thing. Mm. So. Well, well, well. Marty, this is in your wheelhouse. Yeah. yeah. Take, it, take it away, bub. Well, yeah, you know, here comes here comes the old grumpy guy to piss in the punch bowl. Let's do it. <laughs> What's your best? You were 760, Marty, or 750? Yeah. 750. I like my 700 triple with no belt weighing 235 better. Nice. See, that, see when somebody says that, you don't question. I, I just don't think equipment except a belt really helps you. A belt helps you, but. Didn't help me. When somebody is super strong, their deadlift is strong. I was reading this thing today. Yeah, guy has like that. you're you're taking away all my talking points. Sorry, buddy. Go ahead. Well, you 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 made the point yourself. You hadn't done any damn deadlifts till you were 21 years old, but you squatted. Right. When you started deadlifting, you were strong. Yeah, because your legs are strong. Right. Yeah, because your legs are strong. Uh, yeah. I, I, you know, I think the deadlift is uh, a tragic exercise it's taught wrong mm. it hurts more people than any other single exercise mm. okay uh if it's done right it's the greatest single back exercise if it's done wrong it's um it's malpractice yes right. absolutely so and no one does them right because you know we only accept <laughs> our version of right right then yeah, I mean, and it's got to be perfect. An inch, an well, inch out in front. Well, let's talk about that because the if you look, the reason, and I would, this is all conjecture on my part. I, I, I would suggest that the reason that Steele took to the deadlift, in particular the sumo deadlift, is because for the same reason that we teach the sumo deadlift first, and we teach the sumo as a reverse squat. Right. Right. So... Steel was able to splay his legs wide. Now, the one thing that we teach when we squat is we like vertical shins, we like knees over ankles. And if you do any kind of historical analysis of the world's greatest squatters, what you will see that they have in common is they have well, within 1%, knees over ankles. Uh, they pinion, they want to turn the shin into a fence post. And they'll work against that, that, that frozen fence post and that's how you build massive ass legs if you have knee travel forward you're spreading the effort well a Kowalski, a cone uh lamar gant uh a furness uh these great great squatters they had next to no or zero knee travel and, and they worked against that frozen joint so when Steele took up deadlifting he naturally assumed sumo 
Why? Because he could retain his vertical shin. Mm. Also, in the deadlift, what's the shortest distance between two points? Even JT knows that, right? Mm -hmm. Straight line, yeah. Straight line, right, brother? So yep. how do we, how do we engender the straight line? Well, you can't have a straight line if you start to pull with your knees in front of the bar, right? So you got to have vertical shins, right? Yeah. So Steele, when yeah. he's he's been squatting, and uh, what were you squatting when you picked, first started deadlifting today? Five fifty with belt. Oh. Five fifty belt. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, our contention is is if you deadlift the way that we deadlift. Uh, and Chalet told Mark Chalet told me this way back when he said, Marty, if you deadlift the way we deadlift and squat the way we squat, if you push the squat up, the deadlift automatically goes mm -hmm. up. Well, if you remember when I had back surgery, I decided I was just going to squat and not, you know, not dip into it twice, you know, the low back. So I didn't squat. I didn't deadlift for like three or four months after my back surgery. First time I deadlift, I did 605 and I ran into the office. <laughs> and emailed marty and i was like dude i'm fucking you know i'm freaking pulled back so far. and I'm he goes back. yeah dumbass because when you squat like you do your legs are going to stay strong but but jim so you're squatting 550 you just start deadlifting so how does a 550 squat translate into a guy that's just starting the deadlift for the first time what kind of weight were you doing um well first i tried conventional and screwed my back up because nobody teach me then i hooked up with this guy uh, I was down in Florida, Bill, the wrestler. I, he was a professional wrestler and power lifter. Uh, he said, dude, you got to try to sumo. And so what was interesting was it's sort of, you know how Cone does sort of an a hybrid sumo. He's not super wide. We call it gorilla stance. Gorilla stance. Well, that's my squat stance. Right. And so I was strong Ooh. in that Ooh. And, and I didn't feel it in my back. Ooh. And uh, I think I, my first workout was like 475, something like that. Um <laughs> For your first I, one? Yeah, JP. I mean, you know. We're only 475. Look at you, Good muscle man. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're squatting 550 with just the belt on. Our lady friends. Right. Yeah, JP. And remember now, I had done bent over rows. Oh, that's another thing I forgot. I had done bent over rows for since I was like 12. Oh, you love oh, this. Yeah. And because yeah, you had the foundation. Belt. You had a great foundation. To, yeah, so to I was start. squatting and bent over rowing, which is, you know. Yeah. It's the deadlift, the, the yeah. especially the bent row to be strong in that position in the bent row, yeah. you know, with your hips behind you. And, you know, a lot of time, well, we'll talk about technique, but uh, there's so many little points, you know, Marty's saying it could be uh, tragic if you do it wrong. And man, you, you find that out real fast. If you do it wrong. Um, what is the biggest mistake people make? What do you think, Marty? What's the, what's uh, the first thing you notice? Don't let the shoulders get in front of the bar people. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. if your shoulders get in front of the bar, you got to turn your spinal column into a crane to put it back into place. Ugh. Right. So yeah. just we keep we keep that our shoulders over behind that bar, and that bar is traveling in a vertical path till it gets past the knees. Then we pull it back, which is even easier. Mm. Right, because we can pull it back and up, which is an easier pull than straight up. But we got to get to the knees, and we get it to the knees with our leg power. See, mm. we we keep our hip hinge in reserve. Exactly. Okay. Everybody keep it as else, long as you can. Everybody keep else, everybody else, they have to set their hips high, and they have to use their hip hinge to break the bar from the floor because mm. they have weak ass legs, and they sell out that hip too soon. Oh, well, that's the only way they can do it. Right. Their legs are not strong enough 
Right. I'll give you an extreme example. I had a, it was actually a young lady and she was uh, country strong, 160 pound. Jim, she assumed a bent over row start position, you know, uh, mm -hmm. torso parallel to the floor. Right. She stood up with 385. Whoa. And, and, and her back survived it. <laughs> she was great. She was fine. But then I made her do it our way. She yeah. couldn't, she couldn't break 225. Her legs weak. Yeah. yeah. Right. But she had 10 years of, under her belt when she, when she did this for me. So, so, but my point being is that, is that with our technique, it's also very safe in the back because you, we like the um, upright torso. We keep our vertebrae stacked on top of one another when we pull. That's why if you talk to Kowalski, you talk to Gallagher, you talk to Steve, we don't have spinal injuries. We might have muscles that surround the spine injuries, but uh, it, for, you know, with rare exception, our spinal columns are fine because of the uprightness with, with which we squat and deadlift. If you get your shoulders forward and you get your hips up in the air, then you kind of have to turn your spine like into a, a fishing pole, right? Because you got this weight hung on the end of it of this long lever so again that's the key or key technical point yeah I mean, just imagine that though just to, just imagine the the weight that that we've lifted you you guys especially um you know i always say it marty you're you're in your 70s now no back pain no nothing i mean you're an 800 pound plus squatter uh you're deadlifting in the in the 700s um, it is all about form. And I mean, it, it, it's not just about being strong at the time and, you know, making PRs and all this. This is benefiting and leading to your, your uh, extended longevity. I mean, for a 70 plus year old person to get up and, you know, not have any mobility issues or anything like that, that's exceptional. You know, there's not a lot of people out there that can say that unless they've been involved in fitness or some kind of resistance training or something. So, but paramount is, uh, form is absolute paramount here. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think it starts with where the pressure, yeah, I learned this from Kirk, where you want the pressure. So when you get down to that bar, you want to put all that pressure on your posterior chain, you know, the back half of your body. And if you watch, I got this film of Kirk somewhere um, when he was making his comeback for the AAU one y'all did, Marty. Yep. And when he put on 135, he yeah. fell backwards. Yeah. And I remember talking to him. He goes, dude, every warm up I've ever done with, you know, I don't even know why he does 135, but um, he falls backwards. And he said, that's what I want. I want so much pressure you know, on the back half of my body. So I just took that and started, and, and when coaching would say, I want to see imprints of your heels yeah. in the, in the freaking floor, man. That's a, that's a good one. Also yeah. the, the fact that every warm up in Kirk's mind, that 135 is 800. Yeah. He treats every warm up as if it was some gigantic weight. He's and like, that's a great point. That's a great point. Yeah. Cause when I coach people and they put on 135, and let's say they're working up to 500 and their and their warmups are sloppy. I'm like, what are you doing? Right. The yeah. workout has started. Oh, they're talking. They're yeah, talking I mean, to their it, friends. It's, it's, they're talking yeah. to their friends while they're warming up. I'm going like, whoa. Yeah. And you're like, I wonder why you had a crappy day because yeah, you weren't right. ready when you got on the platform and you're, you know, looking around and doing, you know, instead of saying, okay, this is my first set. <laughs> you know, what, anyway. what, I, what I say is, 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 
be grateful Kirk didn't see that. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> he'd lost. How, okay. how important, I talk about the tension. How important is that throughout everything. the entire lift? It's everything. 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 Well, when Marty mentioned the butt coming up, if you don't take the slack out of the bar to find as so, so what I like is the wedge. So the wedge, yeah, and the, the, slack, right. the wedge and the slack happen yep. at the same time. Uh -huh. So I start with my hands on the bar, my butt up in the air and then wedge myself to the bar. As I'm wedging myself to the bar, I'm putting as much pressure on that bar as I can pulling on it. Oh yeah. Sitting backwards. And I want those weights to quiver. I want the, you know, you put so much pressure. I don't want them to leave the floor, but I want them to quiver. I want them to quiver. I want them to quiver. And then bam, the space shuttle takes off. This is like being in gospel strength church. When you get, when you get to the ultimate tension point, when you're yeah. taking all the slack out, that's when you shoot up. And the funny thing is with lightweight, you automatically go up. You, you don't even have to try with lightweight. Yeah. You just, it's just pushing. No, and, and, no. You know, Go ahead. I'm sorry. I get all excited, man. No, I, no, I, I love it, man. We're all Speaking passionate about this. Though, right? I love, I love the <laughs> Marty, you've got a great tension story from perhaps uh, one of the best, best uh, deadlifters of all time, Lamar Gant. Oh, um, Lamar. Oh, God, talk man. about that because that's a good, uh, he used a to, pretty good example. He used to do slow motion lowering. Yeah. Right. Now, this is the greatest deadlifter in the world, with the possible exception of Ed Cohn. And so he'd walk out to the platform, and he'd, you know, he's standing over the bar, and he starts to lower himself, but almost like he's doing a, you know, like a mime or a pantomime, you know. Yeah. And everybody's going, what's he doing? What's he doing? Well... Lamar is a very smart guy, very well-spoken. He spoke the King's English. It was a little off-putting, actually. He spoke such good English. It was a little Hello, shocking. Marty. Hello. Yes, exactly. I mean, he, it wasn't English accented, but he was just so crystal clear. It was like a, really? a professor. He was like That's an English crazy. professor, right? Yeah. And, he said, and he said, well, he said, and he explained it, and it made perfect sense. He said, you know, he said, in the squat, in the bench press, the you the negative precedes the concentric so you get a rolling start and you get to build tension right i said oh he said in the deadlift no so what i'm doing is i'm trying to create muscle tension as i'm lowering he said also note he said note how the second rep in the deadlift is easier than the first and he said that's because you get the rolling start. Yep. And, uh, you know, it was like, oh, yeah, genius. So that's what he was doing. He was purposely trying to create tension. And when he grabbed that bar, he was could barely grab it. And you'd see him, he was vibrating even before he launched. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. He's vibrating, right? And, and he was coiled. He wanted, we also talked about coiling, the idea of that on the squat and the bench, on the lowering, you coil, you coil under it, right? And that creates that uh, tension for the, for the release. And you look at Korwaski, he's a master of that, right? Uh, and that's what Lamar was doing. Um, so, I, you know, I've never seen it successfully done by anybody else. 
He was fascinating. So he was what the first guy to to deadlift five times his, his the body weight. The only. The only. I think he, he, was he deadlifted five hundred when he was like fourteen or something. I mean, he was a world champion at sixteen. Yeah, he was amazing, man. The thing about him was too, he had severe scoliosis. Yeah. He wore his belt high and backwards. Yeah. Fascinating. And what's funny is people used to say, oh, he, just because he has scoliosis, he can do that. But his squat was good too. He had a world he was the that only shows guy, you. he was the only guy to hold the world record in all three lifts at the same time. Squat, bench, deadlift, cross the board, 600 squat, 352 bench. 683, 688 deadlift, boom. 600 squat at 132. No. Yeah. That's why he was able to, to deadlift 688, not because he had scoliosis. Right. That, that helped. I guess it could get a little spinal compression thing going there. That's fine. But he ain't pulling that without 600-pound legs. Right. Yeah. And he was built all wrong for squatting and, dead, and bench pressing. Man, you were around some crazy deadlifts. I mean, I know we talked yeah, about Chalet Danny forever. Danny Wobler. Yeah, give me some other guys, man. Dan Wobler was the first guy to pull 900. Pulled 900 in 1980, weighing, two six, weighing 269, okay? After <clears throat> after he squatted 960, okay? Damn, dude. How come his name isn't? Because he injured himself. He tore a peck off. And he was a, a, a street guy from Cleveland. Mm. Uh, and he didn't have enough money to get it fixed. So basically, he was doing one-armed benches. And, he, and uh. he won the national championship at 242 with the 369 bench. Because okay? his deadlift and squat were so good. <laughs> because he had, well, he had a world record 876 squat. And he pulled yeah. 826 to beat Mark Chalet for the national championship on the third lift. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Just you know who else is, is built all wrong for uh, deadlifts? And that's um, Brad Gillingham. We've had him on before, and Marty said it. I mean, yeah. here was a guy that started – he started in track, right, or, or basketball. He's 6'5". Yeah. Well, oh, yeah, he was a six foot ten high jumper in high school. Yeah, yeah. Imagine that, Jimmy. Long yes, legs. Good genetics. 6'10", right? Good genetics. Like, yeah. What? I don't, that's great. Well, I but, read a story. His dad in his fifties was still Duncan. Oh yeah. He's, He's got, cra him and his brothers have just crazy genetics, yeah. right? I mean. Yeah. And I interviewed his dad and he said, today's football players are 3.2% beer drinking this and you know, just <laughs> going on and on. And then he dunked the ball. So, <laughs> that was a man's man. He's a man's uh, man. Okay. He was in uh, Super Bowl one and two with the Packers. Yeah, he was an ice bowl. Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's right. Gail Gillingham. Here, let me tell another story about him because I really like those old Packers. So they're riding down the road, and he's a rookie. <laughs> and Jerry Kramer's driving, Fuzzy Thurston's Fuzzy in the Thurston. passenger seat. Yeah. And they hadn't heard Gillingham say a word. He was a rookie. He was quiet. But they knew he was faster and bigger and stronger than, than all of them, and they knew this was the future. So they liked this kid, right? Because he didn't say anything. He knocked your – you stuff in the dirt and they're they're complaining about lombardi going down the road you know and you know they had to do like a hundred up downs after practice or something crazy and gillingham who never said a word finally says and it's real quiet says you know that's the most despicable man i've ever met in my life and then doesn't say another word <laughs> God, i gotta i gotta 
I got a quick Lombardi story. Oh, two, two actually. Okay, so, so, so Jim, uh, Jerry Kramer and Fuzzy Thurston, right? They weighed like two thirty. Yeah, little guys. Yeah. Can you imagine? Nah. They were the guards weighing two thirty. Uh, yeah. So they ask uh, Willie Davis, the the great Packer, about Lombardi. They said, uh, "Is Lombardi a racist?" And he said, "Oh no, no, no. He treats us all the same, like dogs." Yeah. Yeah. Treats everybody awful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, what are we talking about? Dead We're talking about <laughs> technique. Let's finish up techniques real quick because we got some important things here. Some important. Well, notes. when you don't take the slack out of the bar, I'm sure that's yeah. in somebody's head. Your butt comes up, mm -hmm. your back rounds, and then now you're just using your low back to pull the bar. That's where you get that scared cat. Tragedy. When people don't take that slack, it makes me nuts. It's so important. So now you'll see people do it wrong. And there'll be some strong guys that do it wrong. Oh, yeah. And everybody, and that always brings back me back to Hatfield, you know, good, better, best. That's good. But how could, how good could they be if they did it with taking a slack out, sitting back? You know what I mean? Oh, God. But they, you know, well, like, like the, the lady that I talked about that was able to deadlift 385 all wrong. Yeah. Right. And, and it's like, at that point, I, I don't really want to tamper with them. You know what I mean? Uh, unless uh, they're so locked in. Right. Uh, we saw somebody recently last week, two weeks ago, um, uh, another lady had a, I don't know, 465 deadlift, but you know, it was, um, it's, when you get a certain amount of years under your belt using a wrong technique, yeah, it's almost impossible. It's you, you have to, you lose so much. Yes. The ego gets crushed. Yeah. Too. I mean, yeah, the, we got guys who pull 600 all wrong. Right. Am I going to tamper with him? Probably not. You know what I mean? There's so much undoing. <laughs> But what about the longevity part of it, Marty? I mean, oh, yeah, they're yeah, strong using yeah, the wrong technique. I know, but I know, but I'm not, I'm not, they're not there for my longevity advice. Right. Right. They're there for yeah. my strength advice. And my strength advice is go back in time and let me teach you when you were 15, not when you're 30 and pulling 635 and just you're locked in. You look and and because of the way they pull, they look like garden gnomes. Right. <laughs> They're misshapen because of the, the incorrect techniques puts mounds of muscles in, you know, they look like Quasimodo, right? Yeah. Well, uh, you guys have talked a couple of times about a story, a, a guy down in uh, Virginia Beach that was repping 500 with the most <laughs> terrible form you guys ever saw. And you laughed and said, let him go. Nothing we can do at this no, point, right? No, we can't. No. <laughs> well, there, you know why? You, that personality there's no way we were going to say, hey, buddy, go down to 300 and let's work on your form. Yeah, no, yeah, he, he wasn't going to have that. There's no shot of that. In his no. his personality, he's just like, no. I pulled. I, and it wasn't 500. It was like 550. No, it was five, yeah, it was 550. For and, and, and we were just like, I mean, and, we're, and I look over at Marty. He's wincing. Yeah. I'm wincing. You know, like. <laughs> and, and then he comes up to me and he said, what do you think, coach? And I just started laughing. Yeah, and I was just like, you're strong. You're <laughs> it was strong. like, I was like, I said, don't touch those dials. Just, just, yeah. just, just leave it alone. You're fine. You know? Yeah. Oh, it's going to look like a scared cat. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of the, 
Yeah. yeah. Go, it's, you know, going back to tension, going back to tension for a minute, I can tell you, uh, you know, from my point of view, from someone that's got uh, some herniated discs and I have to be real careful, that tension is everything for me because yes. without that tension, I feel strain in my spine. You yeah, know, yeah. that tension holds everything together for me. You know, another way to keep that tension, don't touch the ground. Oh, you know, yeah, do a slow sure. eccentric yeah. <clears throat> from the ground and turn it around like a son of a gun. That Jim, we consider that the highest form of the deadlifting art. I agree. I do that all the time with my clients. <clears throat> and uh, who who is our role model on Dan that? Austin? Dan, Dan Austin, Austin, right? <clears throat> Dan Dan would do five rep sets with whatever six oh five, and every single time the plates would come within one inch of the floor and never touch. So yeah. he created by doing that, and this is what we teach with our guys with what we call the light touch is you turn, you turn a set into a continuous tension exercise rather than, yeah. rather than a series of singles. If, if, if you pull a rep to the top and then drop it to the floor and lose your body tension, really what you're doing is a series of combined single reps, okay? Which is a good, they say, well, it helps the start. And yes, it does. I think that that's a, that makes it a good assistance exercise our main deadlift is the continuous tension deadlift. We never lose that tension. You have yeah. what we call a light touch. And this builds that. We don't throw away the negative in the bench press or the squat. Why do we throw it away in the deadlift? And we throw it away in the deadlift because it's easy. Mm. Also, it's a good attention gathering device if you're an alpha <laughs> male. Yeah. yeah. And, and you're looking and you're looking to, you know, you take that 405 and you drop 405 for five reps. Boy, you're going to be the all eyeballs in the gym are going to be on you. But but I thought that's what you're supposed to do. I look at Instagram and that's what these guys are oh, doing. Yeah. I know. Dude, the you know, right? people hurt their backs at the start, you know, because they get out of position. You drop the weight. Now you got to get all started over again. You know, you drop the weight. Now I got to find the right position for my butt. Man, just, I mean, I don't, if, if you're going to do dead stop reps, which is definitely a part of every program. Yes, absolutely. Then you can't let go of the bar. No. You slow negative. Then you just dip, wedge, and go. Dip, wedge, and go. Yeah, and, let's, and let's limit it to three, right? Oh, yeah, man. If, if you're looking for the explosive start, then that's that's fine. Yeah, but you've got to learn to wedge. And you've yeah. got to learn the, uh, the concept of tension. Also, Jim hit an important point. The most common mistake that we see, if you look, Bob, I went to a power, local powerlifting meet, uh, I guess three weeks ago this Saturday. And uh, again, it's, it's predictable. They set their grip. Right. They take a good starting position, shoulders over the bar, hips low. Then the instant that they pull the bar an inch off the floor, the tailbone goes shooting straight up into the air, and now they're in some sort of a strange bent over row position. Mm. And they got to straighten up in it's segmented, it's legs yeah. first, yeah, yeah. then the back. Legs there's a picture first, in, in the back. There's a picture in Purposeful Primitive, I think. And he's a really good lifter. Is it George Friend or something? Anyway, his he's way like uh I think he's hitching or almost hitching, but you made the point. He sold out his hips too soon. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, like you see great greatlifters. John Cuck used to do that all the time. John Cuck was just like, wow. He was basically, well, a stiff leg deadlifter. He yeah. basically his stiff leg deadlifts were his competition dads. Yeah. And he just but, had crazy hamstrings and low back. Oh, and... well, he also had a 900 pound raw squat yeah, when so he was he a was super heavyweight, you know, and, and he was just a genetic wonder. Uh, yeah. but the, you can, you can be, have bad technique and be a world record holder in the deadlift. I, I thought Gary Heisey was, was an excellent deadlifter, but his technique was. He's 900. Odd. He did 900. 950, 940. Oh, well, um, let me ask you this. So that brings me to a good, uh, a good question here. Gary Heisey was what? Six, seven, six, eight, something. I don't know if he was that tall, but he was a tall boy. Right. Especially compared to all the other power lifters, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Very close stance. Okay. Now, in the last couple of years, watching the strongman guys like Brian Shaw and those guys, and I've never seen this before, they deadlift conventionally with a wide stance, not a sumo, but wider than I've ever thought or been taught. And I always thought that number one, that puts your back in jeopardy. And number, go ahead. Guts are so big. You think that's why? Oh God, look at the size. I never thought of that. I never. I always, you know, I always. Um, they're, they're so gigantic. I think one of the biggest coaching mistakes I ever made was not to convert Kirk to sumo. Uh, no one in our, no one in our world sumo deadlifted, but Kirk's legs were so damn big that when he said that he had to set his legs wide, he couldn't use a close stance like, like we could because his legs were humongous. So he had a wide stance and it's just like, well, you know what? Well, that <laughs> Put your short, hands inside. That, well yeah, and because it shortened, because he had to have his hands outside of his wide legs, now his rep stroke is, is three inches longer. The wider you have your hands, the longer your deadlift rep stroke is. Right. That's, that's why I always say, I mean, my stance is close, close. On that. that's right. I, I'm thinking, get your stance just wide enough where you can have great balance. Cassidy used to tell us one fist width between our heels, and that's what Chile did, one fist width. That's narrow. Yeah, so I was just going to say that. Yeah. As long as you have your balance, as long as you can keep your balance. Yeah. And you get the, you get the arms straight down. And again, the more your arms go out, the longer your deadlift pull is. I mean, every inch you go out on each side, you add an inch to your pull. Yeah. And think how how uh, how hard a snatch grip deadlift is. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> so that's the exactly. ultimate example. Of so, so again, I, I always thought that if we had gotten Kirk, just stick your hands inside your legs, open your open your deadlift stance one more inch in each side, and drop your hands inside. Um, but he would have none of it. He was. You know, he, no, he did pull. He eight. was he was obstinate. <laughs> you think he, he would have pulled more than eight twenty, like he did? Oh, oh yeah. If wow. he, he, said, he never harnessed his leg power. We never harnessed his leg power in the deadlift. He said on the podcast, and we you know we asked him why he never sumoed. He said, "I would have got my ass beat in the gym yeah, had I yeah. sumoed." <laughs> that's, that's what he said. So. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That would have been a no-no, Marty, back in the chalet days, or what? Uh, if he's pulling yeah, nine, nobody know, else yeah, Exactly. You know what I'm saying? You pull 850, and then everybody gets quiet. Yeah. 
but, but it's it's interesting. He had an issue with his hands because his hands were so small. He couldn't. He had the strength, but he did. He wasn't able to wrap his fingers around the bar enough. So your solution, Marty, was have him lift quicker, faster, and get it over with quicker. Yeah. We timed him. We were. He was taking. I can't remember. I'm going to say three three seconds on a tough pull. Well, he didn't have the hands for no three-second pulls. Mark Chalet did. Mark Chalet could do five-second pulls, right? Ed mm. Cohn could do five-second pulls. Mm. Kirk, we had to get him down to like 1.5 seconds. I got to find out. Pull that pull, man. Pull that thing and stand up there and look at him in the eyeball. Yeah. Give me the down signal. He came within a split second of breaking Cuck's 2,200-pound total record at 242 when his left hand opened just as the guy was saying down. Mm. And Damn. it was, I think it was just like 780. It would have been a PR, right? Yeah. There's, we posted a great video of him, of uh, Kirk on YouTube. He's, I think he's doing deficits, uh, deadlifts. He's repping it out. He throws yeah. it down at the end. He starts cussing, yelling. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's quite the showman. <laughs> I told you, Rob Wagner told me he went and trained with Ed Cohn or, when they were out there for some meet mm -hmm. and Ed did 700 for four off a hundred pound plate, no belt took oh. two plates off and bent over rode it for like six or eight reps, still standing <clears throat> on the plate. And that was it. Well, I went out, and I went out and lived in Ed Cohn's house for 10 days at the peak yeah. of his strength. Right. Okay. And that 700 off the hundred, that was a really bad day for him. Because, Tell me what he did, man. This is oh, get this, buddy. So Ed's old thing was in the off season, let's get strong as hell, wearing as little as possible. Right. So he did eight forty-five off a hundred. Wow. Okay, and he repped. Oh, what did he rep? He did stiff legs in the off season. Oh, I don't know, something crazy. Eight and a quarter for three or something oh. you know what i mean uh and row oh he was into the rows and he loved the rows right yeah yeah rows. he had the he had the standing on the block row and then yeah. the standing on the floor row and there was a difference and i think he was doing like i don't know 495 or five yeah. or something right? oh yeah right massive back no straps then, then on his uh <laughs> push down you know he did them on the He'd use the entire stack, and they had this huge stack at uh, quads. But he had to have two guys. He had to have a training partner stand on each toe. So when he did tricep pushdowns, he didn't push himself up in the air. He'd fly up. <laughs> He'd fly up. Yeah. That's great. It keeps Eddie earthbound. Super lucky to be around him at that point, man. So oh like, yeah, that was he was at the peak. He hadn't uh, lost his ability to sumo. The Ed's career is broken into two parts, and the first was up to the point where he sustained an injury, which prevented him from doing. What, sumo. Was it his adductor? What was it? Uh, I, can't, I can't remember. Yeah, I, I think it was his groin. Yeah. Um, but from that point forward, he had to use conventional. He still ended up pulling with a couple biscuits shy of nine hundred. I think he pulled what eight eighty seven. Yes, <clears throat> but I, if he'd have if he'd have been able to keep his sumo, he certainly would have pulled nine fifty. Imagine at two forty two oh. what he would have deadlifted. That's what I'm man. saying. Well, yeah. and again, and again, this would be after squatting right. for him what ten fifty. Yeah. 
Because yes. Austin, when you talk about like High C and all these guys, they were one lift specialists. It's right. a hell of a lot different when Danny Wobler deadlifts 900 after squatting 960 or Cone deadlifted uh, 900 after squatting 956. <laughs> okay. At 219? Ed, Ed, Ed actually doubled in training for that meet. <laughs> Ed had actually doubled 900 in training and done a single with 920. So hmm. the 900 was a second attempt. Wow. But we didn't realize, number one, how much the, I was his coach that day, uh, we didn't realize how much the 956 squat, and I believe he missed 980. I think he had a 980 miss in the squat. In the same day he pulled 900? Yeah. Yeah. And How then, much does a miss take out of your deadlift? A lot. A lot, baby. A miss and, takes a lot out of you, man. And, Big and, time. And how many heavy, I mean, uh, let's just think, to get up to the nine, he he opened with nine forty, went to nine sixty, missed nine eighty. But in the warm up room, we certainly had to go to what eight eighty, I would yeah. think, right? Yeah. And then eight hundred. I mean, and then in the deadlift, we got to work up to you know so how many heavy squats and deadlifts did he do that day leading up to that nine hundred deadlift? You know, so and, and there's there's a great book out by Art Dreschler. Did you know him, Marty? I know Art Dreschler. Yeah, he was the Olympic lifter out of New yes. York. He's a good writer. Yes, he wrote a great a encyclopedia. Encyclopedia. Yeah, I, yeah, 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 yep, yep. I liked Artie's. And he uses cone. So he said, "Listen, everybody says cone did low volume," and he said, "Look or low tonnage, low volume, whatever." And when you look at his his work up to 900, that's a lot of tonnage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so the volume was behind him for his one top set, but he was still getting under that bar with 700, 800, 850, oh, yeah. you know, all this stuff. So uh, yeah. it, it was a good point he made about yeah. that. Yeah. And again, it's a big difference between, you know, snatching 350 and deadlift and eight, 800. Yeah on the body no question you, you can't you can't equate them it's a different uh, type of stress yeah i don't just curious on a warm-up like on a deadlift what would ed start out with like 225 or would he start with two 200s on each side so that's right 245 that's right 245, that's right okay. 245 probably 455 you throw another pair of hundreds yep. on yep. then yep. maybe yep. another yep. pair of hundreds on 655 then what, 735, no, 45, uh, 825. Let me see, 655, 745, 835, 835. And then probably, I don't know, maybe throw a couple of quarters on 880, 885, <laughs> something like that. And then he's, because he's opening with 920. Right. Yeah. And he, Ed, like small jumps in between lifts so he'd go 929 49 60 or 949 60 980 mm -hmm. like close close crooks were wider gaps yeah mm. uh, i just it's just such a freaking great exercise i was just thinking how great it is when you just add a hundred on each side you when you're so strong man when when you're at your strongest you, you, the deadlift there's a lot to think about in a squat man i yep. love the squat and all that but man the deadlift, I, that, I used to just put those plates on his hundreds on there. And I would just pick it up and throw it, man. Right, right. You can just get in a blind rage. As long yep. as your form is good, yep. it's the one primal. That's why I always yell, get primal, MF'er. Let's go, man. Yeah. 
it's and it's, if, if you're competing, you got all your jitters and yayas out on the squat. By the time yeah. the deadlift comes around, you're you're grooved in, and 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 you're warm, yep. and you just pull. I'm I'm just gonna pull a single, boom, throw. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> just put another hundred on, man. So easy. Just to pull a single. I'll tell, and, a, and, I'll, I'll tell a funny quick story on myself. Uh, I was going to the world championship somewhere, the master lifter. I can't remember. So anyway, it was the last one. Bobby Myers was there. And by the time you end a 12-week power cycle, yeah. you're so sick of powerlifting. <laughs> you're so sick of stuffing because I'm, you know, I was trying to keep my weight up. Oh, yeah. And I'm just sick of the whole thing. And I want it to be over because I got to travel some god awful place. I think it was <laughs> Slo- well, I think it was Slovakia. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and so my last deadlift. So I went and I said, Bob, I can't stand this. I said, here we go. <laughs> so I went 255, 455, mm-hmm. 655, all for singles, and I left. And I pulled 680 at the meet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think definitely with a deadlift, you should leave Bob, a little. Bob like called me. He's about to, that was the famous three rep deadlift <laughs> workout. Yeah. 455, uh, uh, 255 for one, 455 for one, 655 for one. Love it. See you later. Love it. Did, did he share any of his Pop-Tarts that day? <laughs> and Bob, and, yeah, that was Pop-Tart time <laughs> he knows oh, yeah. how many calories is uh, in a box of pop tarts he's got it all oh, yeah. memorized oh, 1763 <laughs> and 400 grams of sugar and 21 grams of protein how, how about additional deadlift variations we talked about the conventional yeah. the sumo the stiff-legged deadlift deficit we covered a little bit uh Go to deficit you for, gotta for one careful. second. You got to be careful on your block work, yeah, because that's a that's a good way to get out of position, right? You know, so typically we, we, we never we had like two levels of blocks that we worked. We had one. Okay. This is clever. Cassidy was was so clever. He would just have us some um, for a cycle deadlift on um what what's a sheet of plywood? Is that an inch and a quarter? Yeah, not much. Like three quarters of an inch or something? I think it's like an inch and a quarter. So we had like an inch and a quarter plywood sheet. Now, the plates were on the floor, but the sheet kept us an inch and a quarter in the air. So when you went to the meat, it was like, oh, you don't even have to bend over to grab the bar Mm -hmm. because you're on the floor. Yeah. That inch and a quarter made a huge difference. Yeah. And you know what? I never thought of having that like a small, just a small little elevation. See, we, I think I did them, man. I had a big ass, I was way <laughs> off the ground. I was like, this thing sucked, man. Ooh, yeah. I mean, it was high. I mean, it was like 12 inches. The fins I mean, did that kind of, the fin, the fins well, did that kind of. It was high, JP. Yeah. Okay. Safe. But what, realistically, what's the maximum height you should really go on that to be safe? I like Marty's not, not much. Just to, yeah. just to, just Inch make it a half. little harder. Yeah. Just, it's like running hills, just a slight incline. You know what it's, I mean? The lifters at my gym, they turn up um, an old school 100 pound plate and they conventional deadlift off. Yeah. Of it. Yeah. So I don't know how yeah. thick is that, JP. Well, um, you know, if, well, like I was, if, it depends on what kind of plate. An iron plate like you guys were using was probably like, I don't know, two and a half, maybe, 
three yeah. inches somewhere Maybe around there. Bumper inches. plate's going to be about four inches. No, like we would, no, it wouldn't be a bumper. It would be a an iron plate. Yeah. So that's a, that's that, good enough. That's kind of yeah. Because if you get higher than that, all of a sudden, like when <laughs> like Jim's talking about, the bar is touching your instep. Yeah. I don't want that one between. I know. And I had a six, four guy that was training with me. He was Ooh. screwing his back up. He couldn't even get down to the bar. Man. Oh. You know, like, but on, you could do it. <laughs> but, but Marty Cassidy was a, a really, he was a, 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 a deep thinker on this yeah. type of stuff. I mean, oh, yeah. that's a good yeah. example with the deficit, but in your other lifts, like, you know, he made a lot of, uh, he was a welder and stuff. So he, he, you always tell us about how he cut out his own plates and stuff oh, yeah. like that. But you guys were so disadvantaged lifting in that basement. I mean, you talk about you, the bar was not long enough. You couldn't get enough plates. You had to hang weights from coat hangers. We didn't have a, we didn't have a, an Olympic bar. We had a, a six foot exercise bar with, you know, no, he took corpse. He's got to take the revolving sleeve off. Yeah. So you're doing squats and deads and rows on a bar that is, doesn't, how do I put it? There's no rotation to it. Yeah, right. it's a standard it's bar, a no static rotation. bar, yeah. yeah. It's just a that static a bar. So we go to a competition and be like, we'd be oh. like, like hillbillies being let out of prison. We'd be like, wow, look at our people. Yeah. And naturally thing. your lifts are going to go up, right? And then it'd you're... be like, look at this shiny barbell. <laughs> Is that chrome? We're so strong. <laughs> Is that knurling? Yeah, that's Why does this? Why do the ends of this bar spin? We've never yeah, seen that. These knurling makes your ha hands hang on better on the deadlift. Try it. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> that's oh, so funny. But you know what? It works. And then and then hanging coat, literally hanging coat hangers on the end of the bar past six hundred, and hanging dumbbells on the coat hangers. And then when you squat, you had to time it. So when you hit the bottom, you didn't want the rebound going the wrong direction because it would drag you to the floor. You wanted to hit it. So when you caught the yep on the rebound on the coat hangers with the, with the dumbbell. You, you guys invented the, the, uh, <laughs> the bamboo bar, the tsunami right. bar, and didn't even know it. The bamboo bar, yes. That's so, it. Oh, Lord. If you could afford Olympic weights, no, and you got—I mean, he no, must have wait, done that no, on wait, purpose. No, wait, no, 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 no. He—he he had four kids. He had kids going to college. He had kids going to nursing school. He had—you know what I mean? I would have been like everybody chipping fifty bucks. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, we—you know—we were—we were so dumb. Um, we, we were man boys right yeah and you guys were, were naive about the whole thing and yeah we we're naive about the whole thing and and again it was his domain right of course and he's a world champ too and we just show up and you know and, and, but you know you're right about being disadvantaged and everything because now everybody's super advantaged yeah it was interesting jim at the meet all all our guys deadlifted 50 pounds more than mm -hmm. they do in training and it seemed like the guys who deadlift on different days were having a hell of a time just matching their training lifts. Right. Right. And that was interesting. I had one, one boy who, uh, man, it wasn't too long ago where he was through the roof when he pulled 315 for the first time to, you know, three plates on each side. Heck yeah. And this is a big deal because this guy was, he was coming from a 
pretty deep hole. And so he pulled 315 and was like, man, we were high-fiving each other and it was great. Um, that was maybe, I don't know, maybe five months ago. Yeah. Uh, at the meet, he pulled 400. Nice. Nice. Right. After he went nine for nine, he squatted 275, bench 200, and deadlifted 400, and went nine for nine. Let me guess, he's hooked. <clears throat> and he was he was walking in the air. <laughs> but his technique was great because we got him right from the start. See, he was he was a blank canvas when we got him. Yeah, hey, you talk about st- uh, you know the deficits. One thing I spent a lot of time doing when my deadlift was the strongest was rack pulls. Partials, yeah. Describe that. What do you so mean? I would set the bar up to where when I, in a power rack, where I, when I walked up to the bar, it was below my knees, just below mm-hmm. my knees. Because mm-hmm. I figured any higher and what's it, a shrug? You know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah. I would put straps on. And even when I was sumoing, I would, I thought sumo and rack deadlifts is cheating. So I would do conventional rack deads. The pull would be longer, you know. And uh, I remember working up when I when I pulled my 740. I worked up to over 800 on the rack deads. And I don't know if that was mental because I, you know, knew that I could pull 800, lock out 800, or just you know you feel that weight pull on your traps and shoulders and all that. It just gets you used to that heavy weight. Didn't, I mean, obviously, it made my record stronger. Didn't hurt your damn confidence. No, man. I remember I was bending bars and stuff. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you drop it, man, it bends. Yeah. Oh yeah. But uh, that really helped me with the barbell. You know, that really helped. We we did a lot of uh, rack work in the deadlifts. You know, back in the day when the rack first came out, the idea was you would break a lift down into three parts. Right. Right. And you'd work in each section, and the the protocol was pretty cool. You would you would do three reps in each of the zones, let's say in the deadlift. Although I always cut it to two zones. I didn't get three zones. I thought that was a little too short. Mm. So I would do like floor to knee, right? Right. Right. And then knee to lockout, right? But we, we never, it never seemed like the rack were converted, right? We didn't get worse. Right. But it, we, we were looking for like a bump, you know, like, oh, we're going to do this rack work and our deadlift's going to go up 50 pounds, right? We yeah. never, we would do the rack work diligently, but it was like our deadlifts kind of stayed the same, you, you know? I mean, yeah. So what other pretty... lifts with a barbell did you guys do to increase your deadlift? Uh, not a lot. Right. Um, did you row? Were you guys rowing back then? Yeah, we would off and on. Um, that's another one that, that we never... I never really knew if I really got a lot out of that. I don't know. Uh, I mean, you know, I never been over row. Like, yeah, yeah, like like steel has a connection with that movement. Right. It's natural to him. He oh, yeah, makes that it. lat uh, mind muscle connection. Yeah. No, if I necessarily get that with the row, right. you know, I, I felt the same way. I, I always felt more uh strain on my lower back, and it was like, you know what, I'd rather just go get on a 
machine or use a, you know, do a, a dumbbell row or something, or, you know, if I'm on a machine, that's like on a 45 degree angle, at least I'm taking my low back out of it. Cause I'm, I'm really not trying to train my low back. I'm trying to hit my, my, my low, my uh, mid back, upper back, whatever I'm, I'm trying to hit, but uh, it gives me better isolation. Jimmy, I was the same way. I mean, I did them. But... Jimmy, Jimmy, tell them how you row. A couple of different ways. So when I first started, I was pulling to my chest, like the Barbarian Brothers, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, sort of mm -hmm. being sloppy. Yep. A big mistake people do is they, as they start to row and they're heaving it, they bring their chest to the bar. Yep. So it cuts the range of motion down to nothing. Right. That's what the Barbarians yeah. are doing. And then when I started to see, who was it? I don't know if it was Yates, early 90s. Uh, I adapted not quite as high of an angle with your upper body, um, but more, as long as the bar went right below my knees, I was good. And then I started pulling it into my belly mm -hmm. and that seemed to keep the bar a little closer. So I wouldn't feel it in my low back. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then bodybuilding wise, that's a mid back exercise, like an MF or man, you get that crazy thickness in your mid back from those bent rows. Yeah. You know, who really loved that was uh, Lee Haney. We, uh, when I was working for, for lose Wick American muscle, right. we did a uh, thing with twin lab when uh, Lee Haney was with twin lab and we were doing this shoot. And I remember, you know, I was like 19 at the time and there's Lee Haney, you know, I'm getting to work with. Um, but I, I'll never forget. He said, bent over rows as he's doing them. He had like a couple of plates on each side perfect form he said bent over rows are the bread and butter for the back that's how he explained it yeah and he had a huge back he had he had the, the greatest back at the time yes yes he did yeah yeah so i thought you know as far as barbell exercise i mean so here's what i would do is i want to talk about this i love this kind of stuff so it'd be deadlift day and i'd work up to i don't know 600 for five or something like that and then because that's what it called my workout call for. Then I would just strip some plates off. And, and so I didn't use a deadlift bar, you know, like some guys do. So I would just strip some plates off and then I would do either five sets of three or five sets of five working up in weight each set on the deadlift. And each rep I would stand up with on that bent over row. So it was probably 315 or 365. So now I'm getting an extra rep of deadlift each time too. That was, that's the way I was thinking. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would stand <laughs> all the way up, set my posture. Perfect slide the bar down my thighs right. until it comes right below my knees and then, and then pull. And I would try to, I, I, and I, yes. And so I would have days where I'd say, okay, I'm going to do three of these sets heavy and they're going to be a little sloppy. You know, they're not going to be as ugly as, as the barbarian brothers were, but I'm going to be using some momentum and stuff. And then for the next two sets, I'm, I'd be like, okay, 225, And I don't want anything to move but your arms, right. you know? And Rub so you get out. that in. Yeah. And, and I thought the deadlift, that the bent over row really helped me, man. It just, it just, you know, the grip yeah. strength and all that. It, I would just not let myself I, use straps. I think, I think my back improved just listening to you talk about it. <laughs> yeah. I do the adventures it. of Jimmy Steele. And then when I was bodybuilding, I, you know, cause That's I was good. doing 15, 15 sets of body part. I would sometimes just do 15 sets of bent over rows. Oh yeah. You're talking 15 sets of six, baby. Yep. Yeah. Listen, yep. what about, what about deadlift tools? Let's start with uh, power bar. What kind of power bar you guys like? You know, whatever, that, whatever, whatever's, there. whatever's there. Yeah, I like that. I figured you'd say that. How about you, Jim? I like knurling to cut your hands up, man. I want I want my freaking hands to stick to that bar. Yeah. Man. See, yeah. 
Marty, what did the guy say? So we were developing uh, the Karwaski bar and I was sending Kirk like different, um, different knurling samples. And I sent him this one. It was like, it was like razor blades on the end. That's what we call it. We called it the cheese grater. Yeah. It grates your hands. Kirk Kirk loved it. Yeah. And what did the other guys say about the bar? Because we were going to. Well, they had to wipe the blood off their palms. (laughs) Yeah, he said. They said, "Hell no, don't do it like that." <laughs> oh, I would get so thrilled we'll get when I went killed. to a meet. When I went to a meet and they had that diamond knurling, man, I'd be so excited because I knew, it, you know, I'm like, I, I, can hold on, I can hold on to a thousand with that. Yeah, you know, you you have a good aggressive diamond knurl, um, and that's what we did for him. You have a nice. Um, you know, you have bushings, you know, there's different, there's, um, there's bearings and there's bushings for the, um, the, uh, the sleeves. And, you know, you usually do a bearing, uh, sleeve for, for your quick lifts, like Olympic lifting and things like that. So with, with powerlifting and stuff, you don't need such a, a silky smooth right. rotational, uh, action like you do with the bearing. So you use a bushing, you still get, nominal spin but not too much where it's crazy and, and your plates are spinning around as, as you're lifting so bushings are nice too but uh yeah the biggest thing i think is the grip and and diameter too is important you want to do i think most bars are about 28.5 millimeter diameter you don't want too thick yeah. you know i've seen bars go to like 32 millimeters and you can't hold on to it as good so marty in the well, old days that the is guys awesome. That is actually another trick that we used to do. That's what I was going to ask you. With Kirk? No, no. Back in the day, we would train on the squat bar because I think that's an inch and a quarter thickness. The other one's like an inch and an eighth. So we'd purposely use the fatter bar. And then when we got to the competition, they'd always use like an Olympic bar. Oh, we use the whippy Olympic bar. Well, that's great because we've been training on that stiff ass. Just throw the deadlift bar down on the floor. Let's go. Start deadlift. You know, throw the squat bar down on right. the, down on the platform. Let's right. let's go. Right. I mean, we'd use the same bar. Well, in a competition, a lot of times they'd switch it out, and we get that. That would that would make it. And the guys who use the whippy bars and the skinny bars, if they got to the competition and they were using the fat bars, they were in trouble. Well, and I, you know, IPF has certain uh, guidelines for, for bar thickness, for, oh, yeah. for width and all that. Right. And IPF, I think calls for specifically, it has to be, I think in a range between like 28 and tw- or 28 and a half and 29 or something. Um, but, you know, Karwaski, boy, if you guys could have used a, a smaller diameter bar with him. But but you can't if because IPF has those guidelines and I don't think they make any smaller than 28, 28 and a half anyway. I mean to hold all that weight it wouldn't be strong enough. Yeah. What you other? Know? I think that's it for barbell lifts as far as assistance. What about dumbbells, Marty? Did you guys do any dumbbell stuff for your back? No. No. Honestly, our our main back exercise was the deadlift. Yeah. And also the power clean. Okay. We did a lot of power cleaning back in the day, and uh, I now have the guys, I recommend now that the guys open their back training session with the power clean. Thank you. What two a reps, Just two rep sets, one, yep. or two, one or two rep sets, that's all you need. Mm-hmm. Just work up to, I tell them, let's work the power clean up to the point when the second rep slows down, you're done. 
We want it explosive. This is a velocity lift, always done first when the central nervous system is fresh. You don't want anything ahead of it. So you do your power cleans. Now you're warmed up. Now let's put a little weight in the bar and start deadlifting. I love it. After we get through the deadlifts, I like something that kind of pulls you apart. So I'm not a big pull-up chin guy, but I would do maybe some lap lap pull-downs with maybe uh-huh. the, the, the that thinner power handle. Yeah. You know, you know and, and something that I wanted to stretch me up uh-huh. in uh-huh. between reps, right? I wanted to pull me open. Yeah. And that's what I'm looking for. So, uh, cause I've compacted my spine with the deadlift and now I want to kind of stretch it. You could do the same thing with at the bottom of a chin or a pull up where you just relax and let yeah. the, your body mm-hmm. weight, you know, pull everything apart cause you've compressed it. Right. Yeah. You can get in the teeter chair, JP. I'd do the thing that do the trick for you or get in your yeah. pool. You know, you get stuck in that thing. Then you have to scream for your wife to come uh, rescue you. That happened to me. Not, not, no, not a, not a two sixty, a two ninety. Yeah, not a two sixty. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, like when I was competing in powerlifting, that's all I did was bent rows as a, and it would be like three to five sets. See you later. I would deadlift, and always kept the reps really low in a deadlift. Doubles. Okay. Man, I was doing triples. Yeah. All right. Yep. And then, yep. Bam! Hit that bent over row and be done. Now bodybuilding's different. But, you know, man, on my legs. Do you even need deadlifts and bodybuilding? I mean, you know. I think that middle back thickness and that Christmas tree. But you already got that, man. You know what I mean? It's like. But it just really helps with the foundation of everything. I mean, but it's a big big hit in your poundage when you're skinny. You you know what I mean? And you're you're weak and it's like, God damn, I I don't want to be deadlifting 455, you know? Yeah, you got to call it a different name. Yeah. But Jim, Jim, these days now, these these current times of bodybuilding, these guys are so massive. I mean, don't, aren't they all doing like the power lift to get that big? I mean, or is it just all other stuff they're doing? It depends. There's some guys that deadlift heavy. no, and there's some guys partials. that just pump. they're doing they're doing a lot of partials. They they get in the middle of a rep stroke, yeah. and they'll do like five sequence giant sets. So they'll like uh, rather than lock out or let a leg press come all the way down, they'll push in the middle of the middle in 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 the middle. I have two right partners spotting. Then they'll immediately get up, go to the leg extension. Okay. Again, in the middle, in the middle, in the middle, keep that going. All right, now we immediately go to the hack squat. In the middle, in the middle, in the, and you know, so they, they're wobbling. They can't walk, and they'll do three or four rounds of that. That's how they're getting just, and it expands. It forcibly expands the muscle, like blowing it up with an air hose, man. And then they 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 feed, and they rest. And but that's that's the type of training that they're doing. They're using giant sets. They're working mid ranges of reps and they're just forcing that blood in there um it's savage it's a savage way to train it's so a- so, so jim if they are doing the deadlifts and, and barbell squats and so are they doing partials on that or uh it's not really it's just they doing romanian deadlifts doing instead good. of yeah deadlifts? a lot of guys do rdls there's yeah. there's only a group of guys that are like i'm gonna get big big uh, by doing heavy weights, a lot of guys, it's just machines and, yeah. um, you know, stuff like that, but there's just a couple guys guys reps and training partners and, and pushing past the muscle past its capacity. Yeah. 
Yeah. What about I mean, straps? They're a tool just like anything else, man. I mean, I, I just have this love affair with the purity of the deadlift. And so even if they would help me, I wouldn't use them except on racks. So racks to me aren't a deadlift. Mm -hmm. But if you want to overload, it's great. It's it's great. I remember Chuck, uh, Marty, you had Chuck doing straps. Dead, you know, uh, you'd be like, all right, now put on some straps and add, yeah. you know, 50, 75 pounds. And it really helped Chuck. Oh, yeah. Well, he was a nitwit. I'll tell you. He, <laughs> he, was tough to get through to. he was tough to get through to. You'd have to tell him 27 times. You should try. Well, I don't know. You know, with his self-depreciating manner. Like, so you say, wait a minute you said he, he always cuts himself down don't cut yourself down all the time leave that to other people okay so was he totally against using straps because he didn't want oh, to yeah. affect his grip oh yeah. oh yeah i want a powerhouse grip marty i want to look like popeye <laughs> <laughs> damn just say you beat me let me tell you a story real quick i'm gonna because i'll forget this uh, yeah so, franco colombo <laughs> listen i think it was 70 uh 75, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Franco Colombo is given a, a posing exhibition and a deadlift exhibition. He comes out and announces he's the strongest uh, 181er in the world. Okay, at the deadlift. So he poses, pulls 650 for two. Vince Anello, oh, no. who was, you know, one of the greatest deadlifters uh. ever, gets so pissed off that Frank, because <laughs> he's in his weight class, that he's backstage. Yep. And he pulls 650 for 10. Yep. Oh, God. And he had to spend two days in bed <laughs> after that. But he was so pissed off. And then another thing, and Herb, at the, Herb, at, Herb, at the Herb, time, at the time, he would have been about an 800 guy. Yeah. You remember Herb Glossbrenner? Oh, uh, unfortunately. So, anyway, he used to do the top 100 lifts and power lifts in USA. So he says, there's nobody under 220 that'll ever deadlift 800. Vincenello pulled at 198, I think 820, something yeah. like that. And he That's only awesome. did it besides being, you know, very competitive because Herb Glossbrenner said nobody will ever do that. Oh, yeah, exactly. Was he wearing straps? No, there, no, there, there's, no need, there's no need for Vince to wear straps. He was, somebody he, asked he, Vince. He was a real deal. Somebody said, what makes your deadlift go up? And he said, everything. Everything. <laughs> he said everything. Yeah. Uh, he was great. He still is. He's still around and he's still feisty and he's still living life, you know? Yeah. If, if anybody out there, look up Vincenello and the deadlift. Yeah, yeah man. It's great. Yeah. It's just great. Yeah, was, and Bob Peoples, were you familiar with him, Marty? Yeah, yeah. There's a little strangeness with that. No question. I love that kind of stuff. Well, it's just like a just a thing where he's in a, a cave somewhere doing, you know what I mean? <laughs> But Bob Peoples was the first guy to do 700 or something yeah, at some body yeah, weight. Yeah, he was yeah. pulling 750 or 770, but he was standing on a, a <laughs> gymnastics mat when he did it. And you could see that he'd sunk down about four inches. And it's like, okay, you know, what's going on here? So anyway, this is before, this is ancient times. Yes, yes, yes. When it was I'm done sorry, like I'm a historian on in the a high what? school gym somewhere, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What what about shoes? Do we care about shoes when we're deadlifting? First, first. Yeah. Gotta be what do you, flat. What do you think, flat, Marty? Flat, gotta be flat. Flat, 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 flat. Why, why would you be up in the air? I wear Chuck Taylors, and I remember you guys in Virginia Beach talking about Chuck Taylors. I think one of the guys had them on, 
And you said, that's perfect. They're flat. You're close to the ground. You can feel the ground. That's what we want, right? Now, some, some people will do that. Some people have, you know, uh, specific weightlifting shoes. Some people will do it uh, barefooted. Marty knows a guy used to, to deadlift and swim fins. So, I mean. Yep. That's right. Turn and fitting. There's a lot of guy, guys in my gym and women that wear no, no shoes at all when they deadlift and squat. Um, I tried. Rob Wagner squatted in Olympic shoes, Olympic lifting shoes, and deadlifted in them. And so he wanted me to try, and I did. But the problem, I thought, in the squat and the deadlift was it threw me forward. Yep. And so, you, now it, so Rob, Rob's point was, if I remember correctly, is, well, it forces you to focus on that and sit back. But I just couldn't get the hang of it. So I, so I switched to Chucks. I mean, I was even buying Walmart. I don't give a crap, man. They're just flat shoes. I just wanted yeah. something to protect my feet. And, that, and then it became something I did all the time. So now it's either, uh, you know, no shoes at all or something very flat. Yeah. I learned I learned how to squat flat-footed <clears throat> before I lifted in Australia in 91. So I, I would not have to haul two pairs of shoes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Man. I wore I wore my wrestling shoes. I borrowed a lifting belt and I went to Australia with a backpack. It was great for two weeks. <laughs> what, what about the specialized footwear you see out there? I mean, does it really have to be that fancy or are we overthinking it? I mean, if, if people are doing it barefoot, then, you know, you, you want to be as minimal as possible. You, chucks are fine. But what about these specialized weightlifting shoes that I'm starting to see? You know, is that better? I, Will they protect no. your feet? Will they no, 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 get no, your lift no, up no, a little no, bit? No, 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 no. No, no, Jim. No. <laughs> I mean, it's a moneymaker. It's just like a deadlift suit. I never, I mean, even in my tightest squat suit, I never felt like it helped me in the deadlift. You know, a suit doesn't help. It's just such a pure movement, man. But um, yeah, I think it's just a money-making thing. I mean, if, if you can go to Walmart and buy $12 shoes. Love it. And deadlift 800. You know, Buc Bucky's down the street has these great slip-ons. They got a picture of Bucky right on the front. I don't know if you guys, it's, it's funny. It's Bucky? a Texas Bucky? thing. <laughs> Anybody listening from Texas will know what Bucky's is. But uh, they're a knockoff of Vans. I went in there one time just messing around, looking at all the, the great stuff. Yeah, Vans are good. Some, Vans are good. They had some knockoff uh, slip-ons. <laughs> any of the skater shoes, you know, any of that stuff, they're flat, man. You know, the, I can tell right away if somebody's doing stuff in squishy shoes. I'm like, are you going for a run? Yeah. <laughs> no, I was like, well, you know, come up, think about everything you do. So from your feet to your head, everything's got to be right for this deadlift. You know, what about a belt? We talked about a belt, but I don't, I don't use a belt anymore. I mean, you know, I see a lot of guys using the belt just to hold their gut in, but I mean, aside from that, I think for me, I think, and I haven't used the belt in years. I'm not going that heavy anymore, but uh, the belt was always something for like the top set to keep, you know, to keep everything uh, in and, and, and tight and, and uh, supported and all that. I mean, what do you guys think? Um, you know, I, I, I think the guys from the seventies and eighties had it right. Wear as little as you can for as long as you can. Right. And if you have to put a belt on when you're getting in that 90% range, do it. So as far as training my athletes, I never brought it up. We had 15, 20 belts sitting on a rack, but I never brought it up. Some kids 
they'd put it on. You know, I'm not a belt Nazi. You want to wear it. It's okay. But I would explain to them, yeah, this is sort of life for you to put a belt on, man. Let me just teach you how to create a belt without a belt. And then you, yeah. you teach them how to breathe, teach them how to, you know, get your air and your obliques and you're taking a punch. I'd be like, there's your belt, man. Let's save it. Let's save it for a little while. That kind of thing. Yeah. Then when you do throw a belt on, you're like Kirk and 50 pounds yeah, right away. Crazy. 50. And it's like, start cussing. I'd look at that. Is that a magic belt? What is up with that? Right. How, yeah. how do you get that big of a boost? Yeah. So JP, what they, what we used to do and all those guys did and Rob Wagner did all these guys that were IPF that were in this area and Marty trained also would they would, you know, they would add one thing at a time. So it wasn't like, yep. okay, belt wrap suit. We're going, it'd be no. like, okay, we're going to put a belt on. Mm. Then the next, next, you know, you go as long four as you weeks. can belt. And then more, what Marty then weeks. wraps, then four wraps, weeks. right? Yeah. yeah. Belt and wraps. Usually we go into belt and wraps. So you go raw. Yes. Nothing, not even yes. a belt. You get as strong as possible. You set a PR. You right. set a personal record at whatever body weight you're at. Now you go into, Kirk would go into belt. Most guys would go into belt and knee wraps and yeah. get that big bump. Yeah. Usually, if you're a big guy, you get a 50-pound jolt right away, right? If you're a bigger oh, yeah. guy, you get 100 pounds. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so all of a sudden, and then what, a uh, guy like Ed Cohn would do would he would put his suit on, I think eight weeks out, but he would leave his straps down. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Right. And he saved that for the competition. So always have some little extra thing yes. that you're adding. He was uh, layering on the equipment. Right. Uh, and that way everything meant something. Yeah. When you're coming from the, you know, naked kind of lifting place, you put a belt on and it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> but you know what for a belt i never put on a belt going okay i'm gonna get another 20 pounds or 50 pounds out of this thing for, for knee wraps yes okay but not for a belt what do you guys think I, I it adds 50 pounds to me right away really yes but jp wow. next time we're together i'm gonna show you how to really use that damn right. thing man it's right. a huge difference when you really focus on that air mm. and creating a, a huge surface area around the belt and okay. you got you got to get rid of the the belt with your name and sequins on the back too. Yeah, you got sequins. JP. I got I got bling on the back of my belt. You know, little it's rhinestones. J JP it looks like Jerry Lee Lewis. JP. <laughs> the only guy who's strong that has a name on the back of the belt is Lavroni, because uh, you know he. Was... Oh God! I don't yeah. Know. Well, he can do whatever he wants. Then people don't. He's a deadlifter. He deadlifted over seven hundred, man. Well, I believe it as big as he is. He should, right? Yeah. One one more tool I want to get to, and it's uh, one of my favorites, the hex bar, Jim. We were going to talk about that. It's sort of like Rich feels about whey protein, man. You want to? <laughs> <laughs> so here's, the deal, with the here's the deal with the yeah. hex bar. Go ahead. Like, oh, it's bad. It's uh, Deadlifts are bad for your back, so yeah. we have to do the hex bar. <laughs> well, if you think about it, that bar is moving all around. Yeah. When you have a straight bar, you're, ripping the, you're up ne next to your shin. So it's not actually better Able for your back. In, in addition, it's more like a squat. Exactly. It's, it's, it's a very comparable to a squat. Yeah, so what I would do with the hex bar was on squat day, kids that can't have axial loading with the bar on their back, they would do the uh, hex bar. Right. Almost like but a on belt, deadlift, we weren't doing that. Squat. What's that? Almost like a belt squat. Yeah, yeah, I agree with everything you said. 
However, now my personal uh, view on it, my personal experience was, you know, I started doing, um, when I started deadlifting again, after taking several years off, because, you know, I got the, the three herniated discs, I'm like, well, my deadlifting days are over and all that. But, you know, I, I started about a year ago and I started doing, I do conventional, always have. And I started that and, you know, I'm, I'm pristine form, um, especially, you know, all the tips you guys have given me and, you know, uh, uh, Brad Gillingham, he's, uh, he's, he's FaceTimed with me a few times and watched my form all good. It was bothering my back because I just felt, and, and I was not coming forward or anything like that. It's just one of the things that'll trigger my back pain or my back to blow out is if I lift something heavy out in front. Now I was not lifting the bar out in front, but it's out in front just enough going up and down my shins to, to bother my back a little bit. Now, what I like about the hex bar for me personally, uh, and by the way, on the hex bar, you could flip it over. You could do um, to where you're pulling the same height as a regular bar, Olympic bar, you could flip it on the other side and have the raised handles. Um, but what I like about it, it's got the new, it's, it's a more natural grip uh, and, and lift for me anyway. It's, uh, you got the conventional grip and your grip is basically aligned with the sides of your body the whole time. So you're, you are perfectly aligned and bring that up. I'll tell you what, since I've been doing that, I've come a long way. So now I'm doing uh, 315 for 10 reps, three herniated discs, no back pain whatsoever. And when I set them down at each rep, it's light as a feather. I'm not dropping it. I'm not banging it. I'm not doing anything. Constant tension all the way through. My back is pain-free and I'm so much more functional and, and mobile than I used to be. Um, so that is where I think that the hex bar really uh, is a useful tool. Um, and even if you you're, don't have a back injury, I think it's good to maybe switch to that once in a while, you know, just as, as we switch up other exercises and lifts and things like that for other body parts, you know, use it as a tool. But uh, Jim, I, I, I agree with everything you said. I think it is a very um, useful tool in some instances like mine. So I think people should take a look at that. They can't do a regular um, a barbell deadlift, you know? And if, if somebody, you know, the same thing would be holding dumbbells on, you know, to the side. Dumbbell, That's right. Same thing. Or kettlebells. But you wouldn't call it a deadlift. You'd say a dumbbell squat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because that's oh, what's really man. Well, you know what? Whether it's a squat or a deadlift, I'm still getting, you know, I've built my, my back power up tremendously. Yeah. Yes, I do have a lot of legs into it, but still, I, I mean, I'm pretty much doing this, the same lift as a, uh, a regular bar, a little bit of a different grip. And my grip is aligned beside my body, but still I'm using a lot of legs. Yes. Like, like, like you guys do, or like we do when, when uh, we do the regular conventional deadlift. I don't think it's that much different that way. You know? <laughs> Marty, Marty. Take it away, Jim. I don't know. I'm probably not explaining it the best, but no, I get it. I get it. And, and for the, me, yeah. it took my pain away and solved right. my problem. Then for me, how is that wrong? 
Yeah. Say, no, 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 you're not on trial here. There's no, right. You're not a witness. No one's accusing you. We love it. Right. I think it's good. I'm yeah. I know what I'm sending you guys for no, Christmas. I'm, I'm sitting here agreeing with them. I'm like, yeah, it's, per it's with, a perfect tool yeah. for you in your That's situation. Right. Individually. That's right. That's That's yeah. enough. But That's gold. If I was showing yeah, you, JP, I would start with, we wouldn't start from the floor with that back. We would start maybe mid-shin. Yeah. And teach mm -hmm. you that body position with a straight bar and teach you how close yeah. that without having to worry about your low back at the start. Then eventually we can move down. But weeks of just tension, tension, tension. How close can you keep that bar? How close can you? I don't care yes. how fast you go. I don't care. You know, I want it perfect. Right. And yeah. then you'll start to get that connection with your back and you'll start to get some confidence as far as the safety of the whole thing. And then we'll start and then we can start moving it down. But you know, right. I would love that. And I think maybe that's my, my next step. You know, I got to graduate from, because uh, honestly on that hex bar, I don't want, I've, I've got to 315. That was really my goal. I said, look, if I can rep 315 with pristine form, I'm going to be very functional. My back is going to be much more protected just in normal life. You go out in, in the garage and move some boxes around or whatever. I'm not going to blow it out. Um, but you know, um, 315 was about about it but you know now i'm gonna have to switch it out probably eventually and just uh you know like we switch everything else out maybe i will start using a, a, a regular bar yeah marty don't you think that a, one problem people have is they don't understand the rigidity of of the deadlift like how rigid you have to be at the start you know right. what i'm saying it's like all these other exercises besides the squat it, you know, you just do the exercise, you know, I'm, I'm doing lap pulls, I'm doing, you know, this and that, but the deadlift, along with that slack being taken out of like a rocket ship and wedging everything tight, man, it's, it's not comfortable. It, it's not the comfortableness that you're looking for. It's the production, you know? Right. And again, the same thing with a proper squat, a proper deep squat, right. Is not a fun event. No, uh, but it's a necessary one. Right, and that's the same thing with with the proper deadlift. And again, there's a wide range of acceptable techniques. You just can't pick one that hurts yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that that usually stems from from being out of position or segmented. Again, the idea that in a proper deadlift, I look for everything to arrive at once. Boom! Right. Mm -hmm. Everything arrives at once. Boom. Not, Hard not, knees. Everything, yeah, uh, not, not, not one, two, right. one, two, right? Legs back. No, no, it's bang. Everything together, bang, locks out simultaneously. Mm -hmm. And the great ones, that's, that's what they do. Now, they might struggle and be slow, and in, in they're opening that hip joint, right? Because you're really, you're in that, in the final, in the final lockout phases of a deadlift, you're, you, you're opening up. Right, you're opening, you're pushing your hips forward. Cassidy called it a bow and arrow. You push, you don't even have to. He said, Don't even lift the weight up, just shove your hips forward. Mm -hmm. Right, you don't need to. No, you're trying to pull the weight up. You're fine, right. don't do that. Just right. push your hips forward, lock it out. But okay, I always say, Get it to your knees, and you're there. Get it to your <laughs> knees, and you're there. <laughs> well, you want How fast yeah. can you get this to your knees? How yeah, fast can you pull this that's to it. your knees? And, and after and, that, it's done, baby. And, and you the can't guys, push your. Yeah. And Jimmy, the guys that can't break their, their deadlifts off the floor, it's like, yep, you got, you need more leg power. Yeah. 
you got to be tuned in too. I mean, there's no spacing out while you're trying to, you know, hit a, a good oh, deadlift. deadlift. Deadlift will hurt you. Yeah. Yeah, deadlift you got to be really tuned you. in. That'll hurt you. Yeah. Yeah. Be, I mean, it's such you know, a primal. Pull around with deadlift. Yeah. Right. It's just heavy single other... exercise a normal person does, right? There's no you don't squat more than you deadlift initially, unless you're, you know, Ken Fantano. I mean, you know what I mean? It, it, everybody picks up more than they can squat down with. Mm-hmm. So yes. uh, you, you use the largest payloads for those of us that practice the deadlift, but uh, well, I've seen some, I've seen some bad instances of some bad teaching of some bad deadlifts. And it's like serenity. Now I'm, I'm walking Dude, out of here. Serenity when I, now. Yeah. When, <laughs> when I see it in the gym, I actually go, Oh, 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 oh I know. I know. I can't, uh, I can't watch. I gotta go. Uh, what, uh, one more thing. One more thing before we close this out, because uh, we're, we're, we're coming up on time here. Deadlift deadlift myths uh the first one we talked about is will it hurt your back well yes it will if you don't have the the form dialed in mm-hmm. you know any lift will do that right. um was there any other yeah. uh, what do women think you, jim do you have a lot of women coming and, and saying uh i don't want to deadlift it will make me bulky do women say that i know they they talk about that in in general about weightlifting, but nah, it's more like yeah, just in general. If you have a somebody who's thinking like that, it's more just in general. They're not even yeah considering the deadlift, but um, yeah, it, it's it's go ahead, Marty. I don't know any women. Um, <laughs> nor should you. <laughs> you're, banned, <laughs> you're banned from women. You have one woman. That's it. You're, yeah, you're cut I off. She, I don't even know if she's a woman. I don't think she. Anyway, go ahead. What the? <laughs> but I mean, is there any any other myths about um, you know deadlift? Either, I don't know about myths, but I will tell you what people screw up is they deadlift yeah. too often. Yeah, you I got to deadlift too often. Okay, right? no, you seven don't. to ten once a days. week. Se- yeah, yeah. And there's been plenty of people that pushed it longer than that, and and as long as they were squatting heavy, and they already had their form in the deadlift, you know, they could squat. You know, deadlift every two weeks. You know, I didn't like to do that, but I've definitely heard of people doing that. You know, yeah. and and before me, Marty, how long, how long, how many days out did you stop deadlifting? Oh, 10 to 14. Exactly. The, the lighter guys would would stop 10 days out. The heavier guys would stop two weeks out and then usually stop the squat out 10 to 14 days. Bench up maybe the last seven days before competition. And, and when you get in that warm up room after taking that time off, JP, that bar feels like it weighs two pounds, man. Yeah. It's oh, amazing. Yeah. You're so re- now. If you went longer than that, you start to get weak and all that. But man, right. you got to hit it just right with experience. Some people a little longer, so shorter, whatever. But you feel so refreshed. And I always tell because you know you get somebody who's alpha male and they're like, "Man, I can't take that much time off." No. Right. And then you're like, "Try it once. Trust and me." Leave, and they leave all their best lifts in the gym. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, they can't. But that's match, a big one. And they can't and two- match in training. They can't match in competition what they do in training right. all our guys exceed in competition what they do in training and i yeah. and another thing is two the reps are too high oh, you know people yeah. do high. i mean I, I love going in there and saying okay i've never done 515 for 15 i'm gonna do it oh, this no, no. but that's once a year 
the rest of the time, instead of, you know, I always say people don't do three set of 10, do 10 set of three. And it just illustrates, illustrate, you know, it's just like cleans. I never went over a double in cleans because what happens, your technique starts to fail with when you get fatigued. The best, the best explanation I ever heard of it was uh, my old friend, Jim Wright, Dr. Jim Wright, the yep. health and science editor of Flex Magazine. And Jim said, he said, you don't want to deadlift past five or six reps because what happens is the lower body can keep repping while your upper back is fatigued. Mm-hmm. So, and that's when the upper back injuries happen is that down below your legs and your hips and your abs, they're like, let's go, baby. We can keep going. But up top, you know, up by your neck and your, your, all that stuff's broken down and it's like, stop, stop, stop. And everything's collapsed up there, but you're still repping. Right. And it's like, no, no, no. Five, six, maybe eight reps. That's it. Past that. He said, you're, you're, you're risking upper back blowout. Yeah. That's been my dilemma lately. You know, I told you guys I'm doing um, the 315 for 10. Um, (laughs) And so I'm like, okay, where do I I go? For one thing, you can't get any more uh, weight on that hex bar because the sleeves are too short, right? So about three plates on each side is about all you can go with the collars. So I'm like, okay, what do I I do next? So I think very well the the next step for me might be to get back to uh, the straight bar. I think this is a, a good opportunity for that. Um, you know, and just, um, as I'm an example, you know, if, if you've got back injury, you, you know, the deadlift is a great tool to recover from, especially the uh, abbreviated, the abbreviated, what I was talking about before, you know, oh, well, you know, like I've said before, my, my doctor said, well, you can't weightlift anymore. You know, you can't, you can't How load the spine or anything. How strong, How strong is, is he? Yeah. <laughs> probably not very strong. Yeah. Yeah, Um, but that's, that's the thing, you know, there's this, this, uh, you know, information out there that's uh, just totally wrong about, you know, if you've got a herniated disc or something wrong with your back, you can never again load the spine. That's so untrue. In fact, Mm. you know, the deadlift has helped my back so much and, and recover I no longer am at risk just in normal life, just moving around, picking up a, a bag of dog food or whatever, or blowing my back out. It's been the greatest thing ever. All right. Yeah. You know, so think of it as a, uh, a, a recovery tool as well. Not just, you know, something to do when you're healthy, you know, it's great for that too, but uh, you know, it can also help fix your back. Yeah. And don't, and don't worry about the weight when you're doing that kind of stuff. No, not at all. Tension. Don't worry about the weight. Worry about the tension. That's right. Right. Got it. That's good, man. I love the deadlift. Yeah, we love it. It's great. All right. Well, good. I think we've said a lot. Hopefully there was some uh, helpful tips there for people. Um, By the way, getting some good response. I still have to respond to some people here. But uh, if, if you personally... Uh, would like to come on the podcast you know maybe you're an athlete or somebody with a story regular guy that just started lifting weights and you know uh, maybe you've been trained by one of these guys here online or whatever want to come on and and uh, and talk about your journey just send us a uh, email at podcast at ironcompany.com we're always looking for guests cool people to come on that are passionate about lifting Um, so just 
send us an email if you're interested in that. And check out Marty's weekly column, Raw with Marty Gallagher at ironcompany.com. You can find his latest article, Muscle Myths, uh, on our site now. Just go to the articles at the top. Yep. Um, and then uh, also make sure to check Marty's Instagram out. It's at the Marty Gallagher. And he's also got a website that he does with his wife, Stacy. So that's called functional-strength.org. And uh, of course, if you're looking for deadlifting tools, power bars. Wait, 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 wait. Let me just add this. We've got this thing coming up at Tyson's Playground. Yes. Legends of Strength. Right. Myself and Ed Cohn and Roy Williams. Or Kirk Trumpeter. And Kirk. Yep. So we will be there in uh, May 14th, 15th, and 16th, I believe. I've got the dates right. So again, that's in Tyson's Corner, good neighborhood. And <clears throat> we're looking to find a good steakhouse. Yeah. <laughs> there there will be some there for sure. The website is Tysonsplayground.com. I don't know if you can sign up. They, they gotta have something on there, a link or something. So check that out. And then um and then of course, if you're looking for deadlifting tools, power bars, hex bars, plates, platforms, mats, whatever you need, go to uh, ironcompany.com. We got it piled high and deep and ready to ship. So uh, let JP, us know. JP, didn't the military like order like 100,000 hex bars or something? It's just some incredible amount, wasn't it? Yeah, they're doing it for their, uh, their new recruits, the, the physical fitness testing and, and all that. So they're using hex bars. They're using bumper plates. But I mean, they, they ordered like some incredible yep. number yep. of hex it bars. Was, it was somewhere around uh, 25 to 30,000 hex bars. Wow. Um, it was just. thousand hex bars. Because nobody yeah. can teach a deadlift. No. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what do you it. think about that, Jim? They, they no, 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 not hex bars. Get regular bars. Yeah. What? What they're? You know what they're doing with them too. I. You know the good thing about a hex bar is you can do like uh, farmers walks and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And different things. Right. Right. I, I know this. You know what's funny is you go to a bookstore or anything, and they talk about the tier one spec ops workouts, and they're all endurance and all <laughs> that, and all that has a. Has a goal. Yeah. And doing a lot of calisthenics, and the baddest dude who's still in that we know pulls six hundred at two hundred five. That's right. And right. I said, "You're getting big." He goes, "You can never be too big." <laughs> so yeah. you got to be strong to be a spec. Unless you're guy. getting shot at, and he's and he's not jogging. Oh no! Yeah, no. no. He pushes yeah. the prowler. And Jimmy Steele. Uh, the, the uh, article that this podcast was based off of, Deadlist for Life, that's up yeah. now, so you can check that out. Like I said, it was in 18 font. Uh, and I had to take that down a little ways. <laughs> I don't understand the problem with that, but go ahead. <laughs> I, just, I just thought it was so funny. I, I opened up this uh, this Word document, and I go, oh, my God. I hate little things. I tell you, I hate little things, man. There was like five words per page. Big spoons, big forks. I'm not doing anything. <laughs> so anyway, check out Deadlist for Life. On yeah. And then uh, your website is bossbarbell. Yeah, I put a new column up the other day about the cabal and global. 
go ahead. Go globally right. meets and all that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, you like to veer off and get into all kinds of stuff, and we let you do that on your own. Well, website. he's out. He's out in the woods now, so he's civilization <laughs> has no yeah. shackles on. Spirit. I hate civilization. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Well, another right. good one in the right. books. Thank you very much. Awesome. And, uh, all right. Go do some deadlifts. Off we go. Let's do it. All right.